I'm Sonny Gill. And I'm James Luzano. And this is Talk To Me, Talk To Me. today yeah we have an agenda um today we are going to talk a little bit about movies i think yeah and the reason we want to do this is because here in la uh last week was a film festival the real recovery film festival which was their 10th annual one real spelled r-e-e-l recovery so it's a bunch of movies uh, about mental health and addiction specifically. Uh, and we got to be somewhat a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that got us thinking about movies and what are some of our favorite movies are when it comes to mental health. But I, let's start with the film festival. How was that for you? It was good. Um, I thought that uh, the different types of movies they had were um, really diverse and really gave a good sort of feel for addiction and mental illness in terms of sort of showing it, which I think was kind of the point of the whole thing. Um, and, you know, and I think kind of also to add about the podcast is just like this kind of got us thinking about all of it in general, like arts and how mental health is portrayed in the arts and um, <clears throat> and all that. So overall it was great. We saw – I saw – we saw a variety of films that we're going to talk about Um you know, kind of just to highlight our experience and what the certain movies kind of brought to the table, good and bad. Yeah, it it was uh, it was fun to see that there was such a high concentration of movies even available, and most of the movies that we saw were pretty recent. Yep, and some of them I think debuted at the festival, so it was fun to get involved in these newer movies and how uh, how addiction is portrayed in the arts. Um, and we have an interesting kind of perspective on that because I guess unique would be a better word because this is our specialty. So, um, you know, I think we wanted to highlight a couple of them mm-hmm. uh, and they both happen to be documentaries. Yes. Right. So we uh, the one was Whitney, mm-hmm. which was about Whitney Houston. And that one actually, I think we believe was on TV first. Yeah, I think you can see it on Showtime or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was... Uh, about a surfer. I think the movie was called "Kiss by God" or "Kiss from God." I think it's "Kiss by God." Andy Kiss, Irons. Andy Irons. So I could do a little research and figure. Yeah, that out. yeah we should probably know um, podcasting. Uh, but they were both uh, pretty touching, heavy movies, and they were documentaries about these people's lives and two prominent people. Whitney being obviously a little much more prominent, but about their stories in their world and how addiction and mental health uh, affected them. So uh, let's start with the, with Andy Irons movie. Yeah. Yeah. So kissed by God confirmed is the title. (laughs) Um, And so for those who don't know, Andy Irons was a, a a champion surfer, world champion surfer three time. And um, he unfortunately passed away, I think in 2010. Um, And, you know, I've actually <clears throat> I've actually talked to a couple people who are into surfing or are surfers, and 
they were saying that even at the time there wasn't a lot of information about what happened. It was all this vague okay. sort of like, yeah, he was dealing with struggles and there was maybe some drug use, but no one really knew. Why? And and I think that from a public perspective, there was a lot of like, yeah, he just died and something. So there, like there wasn't – the family I think was trying to block the um, – I heard the family was trying to block the autopsy results and stuff okay. like that. Like So there was, there was a, a sort of a shroud of secrecy around right. him. And I thought this documentary did a real good job of kind of illuminating his life and kind of what happened and right. give us a perspective. Now, I think you, you're you probably the same boat. Before I saw it, I never heard of Andy Irons. The only surfer I knew was Kelly Slater, and right. he, he's a prominent role in this documentary. Yeah, they got a lot um, of good interviews with him, too. Yeah, but he was really the only surfer I'd ever really heard mm-hmm. of, you know, because he's yeah. the only one who kind of made it into mainstream. Um, and uh, But it was a great story, I thought. Um, yeah, it – I. I was really, you know, moved by it because of the way they told his story from childhood on and kind of digging deep into how his family and him and his brother got into surfing. Um, and it was it was interesting to follow the waves, no pun intended there, mm-hmm. but uh, of the ups and downs of his career, of his men- of his his struggles when he was going through downtimes. And it's interesting that you say that about. Um, that there was a little bit of secrecy around it or maybe wasn't really upfront about his addiction and his struggles. And I think that's the telling part about this and something that's great about a festival like this where you get a chance to see these types of movies. Mm -hmm. Because even in the Whitney case, we now kind of know that addiction was a part of her life. But while her career was going on, it wasn't something that we knew much of we saw her going up and down mm-hmm. and when you're in that in the, when you're in the public spotlight that way you know people kind of i don't want to they make light of it and it's like oh look at whitney she's not doing well she doesn't look very healthy and that was part of that documentary too on whitney it, they pointed we're gonna kind of talk about these sort yeah of, intertwined i think they overlap a lot <clears throat> yeah because um, you're right and so like i think that they uh it's it's kind of heartbreaking that our empathy for this happens after people pass away or something tragic happens and we don't really know about their struggles while they're going through it um and how much that might even affect them during the time that they have to keep this level of um fame or this persona or aura that we're successful high functioning people when internally they're struggling and only now do we get to find out about these things right um and it just it kind of just speaks to the general uh, vibe of mental health. I think sometimes that we don't get to know about someone's struggles and for one reason or another, uh, and then something happens and then we learn about it and then we have empathy and then we feel sad and we feel bad and oh, we got to change things. But right. while they're going through it, uh, we don't necessarily as a society, as a pub in, in kind of in public, don't, don't really have that level of uh, desire to understand what's going on underneath. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think what's interesting too about how they make light of it, and that's highlighted in Whitney's thing, in terms of like they show some TV shows or right, there was night, like, I think there's late night talk, late night talk shows, and it was like American Dad and SNL, and where they kind of make jokes about it. And I don't know, part of it is like you know everything's fair game in some of these situations, but also you know, look if we look at the us being psychiatrists, if we look at it like this is an illness, right? Then you're making fun of someone's illness yeah, kind of in a way that's a little bit cold hearted. And I wonder if it's like a defense thing 
like you know it's just kind of that's all that's the only commentary they could make out of it instead of focusing on how sad it is and also i wonder if it's because like i don't know and uh, the numbers we could all do statistics and stuff but i think like people a lot of people use drugs and a lot of people drink alcohol and when they see people struggle with it they can they it's almost like they don't understand it and they don't get it so they can make light of it or i don't know make jokes about it because like oh i've used cocaine once in a while or i've drank and you know no big deal you know and so when they see someone struggling it's like foreign to them and i don't know if my point was made sense but i mean no 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 absolutely so i think that uh it we can you kind of go to what you can relate to Mm -hmm. so there's a level of normalization and Mm -hmm. Uh, then again, you keep using this word, but then there's maybe less empathy for what the struggle actually is. Right. And I think that um, for me, one, one of the things that kind of stood out was when you tell the story of their lives, uh, both movies did this a little bit where they told the story um, from when they grew up and the path of their careers. And they didn't really focus on addiction early, obviously. And then they talked about the struggles and how the addiction, the, the drugs that they were using were part of their lifestyle and or part of their escape. And they both did this thing near the end of the movie, which I'm not quite sure how I feel about, where they also then revealed some underlying trauma that might have happened. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, and that, they, hit home, that hit home for us, right? That hit home for know, us because we, we know that. Yeah. And... Um, in in terms of an artistic decision, I understand why you do that, you know, and I think that it sets the point home that like, look, maybe there's things you don't even know about it, mm-hmm. about this person, and that might explain why they got into the substances that they use, and, and it kind of creates that empathy that I'm talking about while you're watching it, because you're like, oh, we didn't know that this happened to, and so, I mean, spoiler alert, but you can read, but like for Whitney, they talked about the potential sexual and abuse that she went through when mm-hmm. she was younger. And I do think it was interesting. Now this is more of an artistic kind of decision. I do think it's interesting that they didn't bring that up earlier. Like they didn't mention, they talked about the rest of her childhood, right? But they brought it up near the end. Yeah. And I was going to make a point about that too, because I, the one key difference between the two documentaries and they are very similar otherwise, right? These two highly functioning, really great achievers that were taken right. down but like they didn't they were pretty open and and had a lot of uh experiences and episodes with andy irons in terms of mental illness right and with whitney houston they really didn't talk about mental illness at all no. it was all about substances i mean we're watching it and and you know armchair psychiatrists and we're seeing yeah there's something going on you yeah know, in terms of what she's dealing with but they never talked about her having episode like andy irons they identified you know, maybe a manic episode, a right. depression. And that was never really brought out in Whitney's thing. And then they throw that thing out at the end and you're like, oh, okay. You know, but I wonder if it's because she was so insulated in her life that it never really, maybe she never had a mental illness issue or one that ever really came out. We saw the erratic behavior, right? It, but it, no one ever dealt with it. They no. were all like and sort of enabling. And it, yeah, no, that, and that also speaks to, uh, the larger, uh, drawbacks of fame i think Mm -hmm. when you have a larger kind of protective unit of your inner circle which may they may or may not have good intentions but there's a protective circle right and they may not be protecting you because of genuine motivations they might be protecting you because you're a successful person and they want to get paid because they alluded to that they alluded to that and so 
when that happens, you can kind of rein in or normalize or not let it leak to the public uh, how some of these uh, episodes, maybe they happen, but we're not going to talk about it. Yep. We're, we're not going to let it to the... And we see this all the time, you know, yeah. not to, not to armchair psychiatrist people that we see in the public right now, mm-hmm. but there's... <laughs> But but there's a there's a degree to which that's so detrimental for someone's health where the motivations of a lot of these people around them is not to mess up the money. And in the Whitney example, she came out and performed for the Michael Jackson anniversary concert, mm-hmm. which being a Michael Jackson fan, I had seen multiple times. Yeah. And she looked incredibly frail and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so the response wasn't, Let's have an intervention. Let's find out what's going wrong. The response was, you need to go do an interview. To tell them, everyone, you're all right. Yeah, to yeah. tell everyone, hey, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. And they put this person in really, and not surprisingly, the interview went terribly. Yep. And that, that to me, uh, I think might happen more often than not. You know, as a child, going, like as being younger when all that happened, you know, I, don't, I didn't connect the dots, but looking back at it and seeing all the footage, you're like, Man, all the all the evidence was there. This person wasn't doing well, mm-hmm. and all we can talk about is the comeback. Yeah, and I bet, and I also bet that like now nowadays, when every I mean, look, I'm sure throughout all throughout all times, people who are famous are very image conscious and always were image conscious. But now there's so much more of it. I think with social media stuff and stuff like that. So there's people who specialize in this stuff, image handlers, things like that. I bet it's a bigger game now. So yeah. I bet there's like even more situations similar to Whitney's that are covered up and hidden Absolutely. and they get coached and they you know how to how to handle interviews like I don't think you'll ever see a disaster interview like that with someone famous now like I no. don't think anyone would allow allow that they to learn happen. I mean maybe they learned from that experience specifically but I also think just the 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 circumstances now just wouldn't well, the, allow for it well the fear is that they're just going to hide it more too though yeah right yeah, and for sure. the, the hope is that there's pursuit of treatment the the hard part about this is when we talk about this, I don't want to get too depressing, but it it kind of speaks to a larger societal thing. Yeah. Where society's acceptance for someone's struggles mm-hmm. goes in direct contrast to society's goal to make someone a hero or a villain. Mm-hmm. Right? They they want someone to be the greatest. And when they mess up, they're the worst. Yeah, and maybe that's why we can appreciate how the conversations about mental illness have gone up. That right. people in high positions or famous people, athletes, have divulged that they're dealing with issues. Right. And so it is out there more. And it doesn't yeah. and maybe back then with Whitney's time in the nineties, that it just wasn't something that they were able to really be open about. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't hide it well enough. I mean, they no. hit it, obviously, because we didn't know a lot of it, but there was stuff that leaked out and we no, saw No, and you it, look yeah. back, I mean, my little tangent, but my favorite musical artist is Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he died of a, a propofol overdose. Mm-hmm. Propofol is not something you should, <coughs> <laughs> should even have access to. Yeah. And, uh, but where did that come from? Mm-hmm. It came from an opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. And if I say that Michael Jackson had an opiate addiction, I don't think there's a lot of people that know that. Right. He got hooked on painkillers after that, um, well, from what we've seen, mm-hmm. what we've heard now, for after that Pepsi commercial in the 80s. With the fire, yeah. With the fire where mm-hmm. he burnt his scalp and he got put on painkillers. Mm-hmm. And now you look back at all the behavior that he had gone through. And, you know, granted, there's a lot of other yeah. things going on. But you look back at it now and you're like, hey, 
that was never talked about. That was never once was that mentioned. It was more about skin color. It was more about mm-hmm. the cases that, against him, which, granted, I get why. But when you saw someone's behavior that you'd seen be steady and constant become erratic, mm-hmm. the problem is societal's perception used to be, at least, and hopefully it's changing for the better, is what's wrong with that person? That person's crazy. Yep. And the word crazy ends up being so detrimental in that situation because you see if someone you're sitting at home looking at this mm-hmm. and they're like, look, if they can talk about these pop stars, these people of fame, people that were adored by millions mm-hmm. in this light as being crazy, I don't want to talk about what I'm going through. What are they going to say about me? Sure. And you think about how detrimental that is to someone's understanding of mental health. Right. Um, and that's kind of like the bigger picture with this. I think what the goal of real recovery was this film festival was to shed light a little bit on on these stories that you may not have heard of or give it give a portrayal of someone struggling through mental health issues and put give it a human voice like a, give it a face give, give it, it a name. face people that you know people that you may not know but make it more common make it a common understanding that these are things that people go through with the yeah, hope like that people normalize it yeah, yeah. normalize it mm-hmm. which you know which is hopefully the goal of lots of forms of art when it comes to mental health. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, I think um, we kind of beat this documentary thing to death. But I mean, I think it was, you know, definitely a recommended thing to see both of them. Yeah. Um, in terms of giving you a, a look, they're at heavy, that. so be prepared. Um, but yeah, and um, you know, they were really great sort of highlights. I thought of that film. It was festival. yeah, it was yeah. very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and. Couldn't recommend them more, especially those two. Yeah. Um, but you know, this got us thinking about other portrayals of maybe mental health and maybe mm-hmm. in in film and movies. James and I both love movies, uh, like a lot of people do. <laughs> so, but you know, it's always interesting to us when some of the topics of the movie involve mental health, right? And not even not even that directly as saying this is about mental health, but a character or a situation in the movie involves either depression, anxiety, some sort of disorder. And it's interesting. That's why they get involved in movies. They're very interesting topics for people and they provide motivations for people that are different than the typical, everyone's considered to have no issues at all. And now what are their motivations Mm -hmm. when in a movie, when a character we see is going through something uh, and you learn that they have like some sort of mental health struggle, it gives it a different perspective. Yep. And those movies are always a little bit interesting. Now, here's the, here's the caveat. We're saying all these positive things. <laughs> these people don't do a great job of this all the time. No, definitely not. And um, I think the list of movies that do a, a shitty job, in our opinion, is pretty, is pretty long. Yeah. But I'd be, I'd be interested to hear a couple of movies that stick out in your mind about how, whether it's about mental health or whatever, that kind of stick out. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, this kind of is in line. I think this is more what I'm drawn to too, especially in light of the, the Andy Irons and Whitney Houston thing. But two movies I've talked about before with you were um, A Beautiful Mind and, and even Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, great um, movies. Great movies, entertaining, really good, um, and really had main characters who were dealing with uh, mental illness. So we're, um, we're talking about 
Yeah, we're Russell. talking about uh, Russell Crowe as John Nash, the mathematician right. in Beautiful Mind. Nice recall there. And Matt Damon as Will Hunting in yeah. Good Will Hunting. And uh, John Nash was dealing with schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, and Will Hunting looks like PTSD type symptoms. Yeah. And um, the portrayal of those um, were really good in terms of, I thought, giving you a view of sort of showing them in their everyday to day lives, right? It showed John Nash going through college, getting married, having kids, teaching at Princeton and, and having a life, but also dealing with this, you know, on the side, not even on the side, but just kind of presently all the time. Will Hunting was trying to get his life together, um, had friends, was in therapy, was working, right. starting a new relationship. So they were kind of living their lives. Yeah. And what I liked about those two portrayals is in similar to the documentaries is like they were, they lived their lives. They were highly functioning and they just, they had, they had to deal with this too. It was something right. that they had to live with. Right. Um, and I kind of like that. I like portrayals where it's like, this is not a, you know, um, paralyzing or, or deficit or handicap, you know, right. it's just part of their lives like everything else and they have to work through it like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and they were very, I, what, what sticks out to those two to me, especially uh, Goodwill Hunting, is like uh, relatable characters to some degree, mm-hmm. right? And John Nash a little bit less so, mm-hmm. but at the same time, someone who's the protagonist, who you're, who you're rooting for. Right. Um, and those are, I think those are really good, subtle kind of, I guess Beautiful Mind's less subtle, but it starts out subtle, but it's those movies give you a little bit of a the movie isn't about it, right? It's not about treating it necessarily. Mm-hmm. It especially in Goodwill Hunting, it's it's about this person's life and how they're gonna problem solve amongst that relationship, about their job, about their friends and how they're gonna navigate through that. Right. Um also a great scene with uh not psychiatrist <laughs> but but uh, somewhere on some places online, a lot of the listeners here who are probably don't know if Robin Williams was a psychiatrist or not. Um, but a great scene there too. You know, for me, uh, just quickly, I think the movies that stick out to me when it comes to this end up being movies like Black Swan mm. and Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Now these are a little bit less realistic; they're a little bit more fantastical movies. Mm-hmm. But what I love about those movies is. The protagonist is set up with Natalie Portman's character and uh, Leonardo's Leonardo DiCaprio's character. They're set up as if you're like, no, everyone else is wrong. Like, like <laughs> right. you you look at Natalie Portman's character, you're like, oh man, why would Mila Kunis act like that to me? Right? Why would my mom be doing this to me? Mm-hmm. And you get put this through this perspective where you're like, man, everyone around her is not is not helping. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones that are crazy, quote unquote crazy. So. Uh, it's fun when the reveals happen in those both of those movies where you're like, no, what happened was the person that you were rooting for, um, they were struggling through something. And that revealed to me more than just like a kind of a, a mechanism for creating tension or like a great reveal. What I love is like when you leave that movie, I hope that people remember what I remember is like, man, I was sitting there with Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm rooting for her success, wanting her to do well, but she perceived all these things as threats. But if you zoom out, it's like, you know, they weren't necessarily threats. But I hope what what I hope gets taken away is like, yeah, but you still had empathy for that person when they were going through it. Yeah. Like you really wanted Absolutely. Like, and that to me is like a great way of showing kind of mental health. 
mm-hmm. in these in what people's struggles are because if you take someone in and you're like I don't know what's going on I don't this diagnosis hasn't been revealed to me we don't know we're treating something mm-hmm. but at the same time when it does get revealed that doesn't take away all of the passion and feeling you had for that person before yeah and I think that that's so cool it doesn't happen all the time yeah and I and uh, I, I do think that. Um a beautiful mind was like that too because remember i don't know if you remember but like the whole first absolutely, half of the absolutely. movie you don't know that the that the characters yeah. that he's interacting with are actually not part of the story no, they're yeah. in his mind and when he starts and, like writing everything and yeah. he's like getting paranoid yeah. you're kind of like what's going on they trick you like you figure out his freshman year roommate was not a person and right the cia agent that he was interacting with was not a real person and i think there was a little girl too so right there's like so you're following this guy and you're like, oh man. So when it was revealed to me, imagine how it's revealed to him when he's like, oh, this is actually all my perspective and my life, not, yeah. and, my life and not reality. Um, so I think that does, that's similar to Black Swan in that way. So I, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. And I think the, the key is that they're the protagonists. So you, you're going to find some way to identify with them. It's going to be normalized because you're, you're connecting to their story. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be like, Oh yeah, they're just a person just like anyone else. Right. They're the guy I'm rooting for the girl I'm rooting for. And, uh, and Oh wait, this is what they're dealing with. And, and it, oh, wow, this is a real thing and all that. It, absolutely. And I think the more we talk about it, the more uh, clear it becomes in my mind. It's like, it warms our heart when they do that. Mm-hmm. When an art form like this and these big budget kind of bigger movies mm-hmm. takes the time to create that relationship with someone who's struggling without telling you they're struggling. So when when they do reveal it, you still have that tie to them. And yeah. that's just awesome. You know, because I, I think that doesn't always happen in movies. Sometimes you see other portrayals right. of you already know, oh, that person's off or that person's struggling through something. And then I think that Sometimes what can happen is then there's you create a disconnect from them. You're like, oh, this person isn't like me. Mm-hmm. So therefore, oh, I hope they get over their struggle. Yeah, I'm rooting for them. Blah blah blah. But you don't. You're not like, oh, this person is me. Mm-hmm. And uh, not saying that those other movies are bad or anything, but it's. I, I think I'm always drawn to those. The other one that also comes to mind, which is a recommendation that I don't think a lot of people have seen, is Take Shelter. Mm. Take Shelter's movie with Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of spoilers. I'll just give you like the quick hits. <laughs> It's just it's a movie about a guy who has uh who starts developing he's going through his own life struggles but he starts developing some paranoia that an earthquake or some sort of natural disaster is coming. I think it, I think generally it's a natural disaster and no one really believes him. His acting is beautiful uh and I won't spoil what the reveal is to be honest at the end, but it was one of those that I thought he did a really accurate job of portraying someone who might or might not be stimulated internally. With either voices or paranoia, yeah. I uh, I was curious what you think too because we're going to talk about uh, aside from mental health and addiction in movies, we're going to talk about how psychiatrists are portrayed in movies. But before we go to that, I was kind of curious because I'm not sure what the effect is. I have I have some thoughts about it. But I wanted to get your thoughts, like particularly when we're talking about movies that are like thrillers, right? Like um, Black Swan or even Elements of a Beautiful Mind that are kind of suspenseful and thrillers. Right. And I think that when they show artistically kind of what the person's uh, perceptions are, what they're seeing, what their reality is. And it's, it's images and situations that are suspenseful and can be kind of scary. I feel like they can go two ways. Like I feel like you're watching it and you're, you can have this empathy for them and compassion for them. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going through that. But then I wonder if in some ways, because it's portrayed that way. And I think I was also thinking about shutter Island. Right. Um, if it's portrayed that way, does that make, 
I wonder if it has somewhat of a reverse effect, like it makes mental illness scarier right. for someone who's yeah. not dealing with it, and then they, they watch that and they're like, oh, that's what someone who's dealing with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or something is dealing with, and it makes them afraid of that Absolutely. person. And that's no. like, is that like a ne- kind of no, like a, a negative no, it, thing I, that comes out of it or what? Yeah, no, I think it's a tightrope walk on that. Yeah. Um, and I think the movies that we happen, in, we happen to be mentioning uh, spent, spend enough time creating the connection with a character before the reveal. Mm-hmm. So you can, I think what happens when you watch that, you have empathy for that character, but you hope that applies it. Like, look, this is, this is what someone's life is like. Yep. And so, uh, but you're absolutely right. It, especially when it's a vehicle for thrillers, yeah. right? When it's a vehicle for horror or suspense, mm-hmm. then, uh, it, there could be a level of like kind of making a character out of someone's experience. Cause don't you think part of the stigma is fear-based, right? It's like, I don't understand this person going through and now you're showing me images of what they're going through and that's even scarier. And so now I'm like, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. I think think absolutely. And I think another fear beyond not the lack of understanding can be um, if they think it applies to them. Right. The viewer feels like, hey, this is something that's happening to me and when they create the character as someone who, because that's what humans are. Humans are humans. Mm-hmm. So if someone struggles from a mental illness, doesn't mean that they don't struggle from the same struggles you do. Yep. Right. And uh, the hard part of film is it ends in two hours, so you don't get to spend more time with them. Yeah. But uh, I think you're absolutely right. That's a thin line to walk. And if there isn't a bigger picture to some of these things, then I believe that you, uh, it may be in poor taste how some of these things are portrayed. If, if yeah, that was the I, only purpose of it. Yeah, because I do think in some ways, I mean, movies aren't always meant to be primarily educational, right? They're, they are meant to entertain. Yeah. And so there is that element. And I, I don't know, maybe you could pick any any real life thing that is portrayed on film and they take dramatic elements of it or they take the elements that they think would be the most spicy or entertaining. Yeah. And which would lead me into my conversation about how psychiatrists are portrayed in film. Oh my God. Um, and some of my issues with that, but um, you know, why don't we just jump to that? I mean, I think, yeah, no, I, I think you're, no, we will, we will. Yeah. I think your point's really well taken. Uh, and if there was be a general wrap up for this, I would say that it's that you that we connected with these characters before because they were having experiences you could relate to, mm-hmm. and just because they might be suffering through other parts of mental illness doesn't mean that they still don't have those same experiences. Mm-hmm. If anything, they require more empathy. Right, because those experiences are even harder to deal with. They're on they're top having, of on top of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's that would be my general conclusion. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about psychiatrists in film specifically at this point. The terrible portrayal of psychiatrists. yeah, we don't love it, do we? No, not at all. Not at I all. mean, I don't know. I don't know if the people listening like them. I don't think they maybe even think about them as much as we do. But I don't know if there's another field. That gets portrayed. Maybe like lawyers. Yeah, lawyers get it pretty lawyers But lawyers are heroes in a lot of movies too. That's true. And there's no psychiatrist hero movie. That doesn't exist. I do exist. not remember Come a on. psychiatrist hero movie. Come on. Um, I think while we were thinking about it, I could break it down into three different categories. Okay. That psychiatrists fit into. All bad ones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and this is kind of rough, so I'm sure there's more categories. But the ones that come to my mind are the goofy ones. Okay. The ones that were... And I'll give you examples of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the over like sexualized dynamic ones, <sighs> right? Like this, the crossing all the boundaries of like the worst. And it's and yeah, those are never great. Those are probably the worst. And then we'll throw a bone out there. And there's some that we think are at least semi accurate, mm-hmm. but they're also usually violating boundaries. But they're semi accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe because I don't know why they do this, but like let's okay, the goofy ones. The goofy ones to me are this typical psychiatrist who is put upon by their patient because their patient's always invading in their lives <laughs> and they get too wrapped up in their lives and it turns into some sort of comedy. And the ones that come to mind for me are What About Bob? Mm-hmm. And uh, Analyze This and that whole series. Yep. Are these these psychiatrists who are like, they mean well, but they get in, they get, and I get these movies are comedy, so, but at the same time, there are these like psychiatrists who are like put upon, and it's like, no psychiatrist would do this. would be like, no, we can't do this. Clearly, you're not <laughs> doing well. We need to help you do better. The argument could be that we have to admit this, that there are good and bad psychiatrists out there. Yes. So if you pick on the bad psychiatrists as the ones you're going to make movies about and put in your movies, that's the problem, right? And I, guess I can't I, deny that these types of psychiatrists exist, right? No, they, I but guess they you're do. choosing all of them to portray in film. Oddly enough, <laughs> oddly enough, these psychiatrists might actually make the field of psychiatry more approachable. Maybe. Right? Because Maybe. they seem kind hearted and loving and but they always seem the part that bothers me, they always seem stressed out. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh my God, here comes here comes my patient again, always up in my business. And then they never set boundaries. And I feel like if they would just set the boundary, things would get better. And the movie would be over. Which is why I'm not a movie maker. Yeah. I'm just an uh just a critic. Yeah. But I think we both agree they're the worst ones. Psychosexual. Psychosexual. Explain, James, to the audience what Look, you're talking about Look, here. Again, I have to allow that there have been throughout history bad psychiatrists who have crossed that horrible ethical boundary and slept with their patients. And what had percent, affairs with their patients. And what percent would you say of psychiatrists does this happen to? Just be generous with the two. Go go overestimate. If only overestimate, yeah. I'd say fifteen percent. And what percent of movies are there these type of psychiatrists? If, if I was being conservative, yeah. 97%. 97.8% of right. movies Absolutely. have this type of psychiatrist. Absolutely. And so this type of psychiatrist is the one that continuously crossing boundaries. Mm-hmm. The opposite, not setting any boundaries, but they're the ones instigating the boundary crossing. Mm-hmm. They're getting involved in some sort of sexual dynamic. And this happens with therapists and psychiatrists in movies, by the way. And I bet there's a terrible psychiatry consultant on some of these movies. I'm totally speculating now. Who's like, wait, wait, wait. don't don't have the psychiatrist sleep with the patient. Have him sleep with the patient's sister, right. or daughter, right, or mother, right? Because it's always a male psychiatrist. Yeah. In some it, cases, it's a woman. Sometimes but, it's female. But it's always like, oh, well, maybe don't have him sleep with the patient because that's, by the way, too far. Let's have him sleep with that, and that's so that's much more easily portrayed on film. And it's like, no, it's all bad, all bad. And and the funny part to me is that. <laughs> That doesn't... I can't get over it. <laughs> like, do you remember this movie? It's, she was a therapist, Anna Kendrick. Uh, oh, yeah. 50-50, yeah. She ends up with his, with her patient. Sure, let's date. Do you know what That's happens? Cool. Do you know what happens if you sleep with your patient? You lose your license. Yes. That's it. That's what happens. Well, these psychiatrists don't care, man. They do they not care. care. Uh, and guess who are the not the protagonists of these movies? Those psychiatrists. Those psychiatrists. They're the antagonists. Do you think that helps our perception? Do you I'm going to say it helps us 0%. 0%. Do the percentage 0%. game. Yeah, yeah. Zero, I mean, 0%. You know. So those are not our favorite psychiatrists no, or movies. No. Uh, and I'm not even going to name any of the movies, man. I know we talk. I'm not even going to name them because I don't want people to well, even I've, find them. Don't find them. 
Uh, side effects. I'm just gonna say it. Side <laughs> oh, effects no. is such a shitty movie, dude. Oh, oh my god, it's so bad. Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, what's what's that dude's name? Is, it, is Ryan Felipe in that movie? Or? No, it's uh, uh, Tatum. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum's in that movie. Yeah, unbelievable. It um, is unbelievable. I blocked Source. it out of my head. Source. Okay. So those oh, no, the, the main guy is Jude Law. Jude Law. That's right. Yeah, that's Jude why Law. I mix up with Channing Ryan Tatum's Blue. the husband though yeah, of Jude the patient. Jude Law is always in these creepy movies. Yeah. I I don't mind the creepy movies when they're not heavily about psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I guess the last one is like the accurate-ish ones. Yeah. They tend to be more boring. Right. Per se. But, you know, I get that. And your percentage of those that exists? Two percent? Yeah. Two to five percent? Yeah. Um, Probably less. More like one percent. One percent. Okay. We only have two percent to work with total. Yeah. Um, and the ones that come to mind for me are Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, the psychiatrist in that is... Uh, I think Dr. Patel, maybe um, <laughs> Cliff Patel or something. Uh, I, the reason I liked him because he was responsible, set boundaries, was helpful. Mm-hmm. They also showed that he had a personality. Dude, he liked the Eagles, the Eagles. Game. That was the best. Yeah, like I was like, oh, I can relate to that. Yep. I, this is a person who's not just stoic, mm-hmm. but is also not sleeping with their patients mm-hmm. and just trying to help from a general good nature part. Right. Homie. That guy's the homie. And I think, you know, if we're really being fair about it, I think there are movies where some therapists are portrayed positively. Right. You know, we were talking about Goodwill yeah. Hunting earlier. There are some where they're portrayed positively, but psychiatrists specifically, physicians who yeah, prescribe medications yeah. and that stuff, they're very rarely portrayed. Yeah, they're almost uh, in like into some light. sort of weird mind control or they don't they got some of their own shit going on. That's mm-hmm. not what we do. No. I no. we try not to do that. Another positive portrayal I thought was um um, perks of being a wallflower. Right. That was an inpatient psychiatrist, and I thought that that was really good too. So no. that's another one to check out in terms of really showing how they can be empathic and caring. And yeah, that didn't show any personal side like uh, Silver Lines Playbook, but at least it it gave a nice it gave the it gave that ideal perspective of what we do and, and right. all that stuff. So I like yeah. that too. Like that one too. Um, so I think that's a that's. We'll keep expanding upon these three categories, and I think as we go on in time, as we watch different movies, um, we're gonna we're gonna just put them in one of these three categories. I think we're in LA. We should find a way to be consultants for films and be psychiatry consultants. Hit us up. <laughs> Hit help. us up. But then there, then these movies might not be that. Then interesting they'll be four to watch. minutes long. Yeah. Um, but maybe we could help make it a little bit nuanced. You know, um, you were, you mentioned a good point earlier. About uh, yeah, about television. Television, yeah. Tele- and I thought, yeah, and I thought that there is actually a pretty decent portrayal of psychiatrists on television. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I, I wondered if it was because of the episodic nature of TV, right? And you could tell longer stories. Yeah. And there isn't like this psychiatrist to come in and like do this dramatic thing and then move on, right? Like in in movies, because you only have two hours in a movie. But in a TV show, they could spend more time with them, show their role in in different scenes and different scenarios with different people and so there was a better better look right um, um what did i like what did i say that i liked? oh i liked um well i like sopranos sopranos was excellent that's really really good portrayal and that really showed a lot in terms of her personal life yeah um some of the issues that come up in treatment mm-hmm. and how she handles them um and hey no i don't know that anyone wants a patient like tony soprano and nope. so to show a psychiatrist sort of deftly handle navigating through that, that yeah, yeah was was really really positive um shout out set shout out <laughs> and uh look i know it's played for comedy but i always like fraser yeah um they really took pains to um 
always portray him as an ethical and responsible psychiatrist. There yeah. were lots of laughs, and they didn't. I don't think that they ever really played the mental illness for laughs too much, mm-hmm. or it was really kind of lighthearted. It was never kind of taking something that was really seriously debilitating and kind of like laughing at it. Right. Um, and so that was a nice positive. Um, there's a show called In Treatment. Yeah. Which In, in Treatment is very specifically. Yeah. 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 That's in the room. That's all that those TV like shows are week, and episodes yeah. are. But if you're ever curious about kind of what it's like to be in the room, that's what it's like. Yeah. Um, that gave a good indication. Um, there was a show recently called uh, The Newsroom. You remember that on yeah. HBO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had a psychiatrist on there who was really good because um, he was talking to the to the main character about his sleep problems. And I think what I liked about it was he was like, look, it's because you're eating bacon at night and the nitrates in your bacon are what's waking you up or you know, right. all that stuff meanwhile like maybe the idea of a psychiatrist is like he's just going to write me pills and put me to right. sleep and so i thought it was like a really responsible yeah approach which i think only a physician would really think about or even look yeah. into and that's the unique part of psychiatry versus right. a therapist i don't know that's just an idea no but. no and that's actually a good new one thing too man yeah. but you know what we're gonna we're gonna make this a continuing trend we're gonna when we come across a psychiatrist no matter how big or small of a role we're going to shout them out in the podcast and rate them. Rate them. I rate like the rating. Yeah, we're going to rate them. We're going to say this is, we're either going to put them in a category or we're going to actually rate them yeah, and, as, at their capabilities and if we like them. And you might expand your categories, right? You might oh, have for more sure. than this just is the, the... This is just easy. This is the beginning part. If you, get, if you are a psychiatrist role and you get ranked into one of these three categories, not a good look. <laughs> Hopefully you can bring something more nuanced to us. Yeah. Uh, but this was fun. It was fun. Um, so we recommend overall, recommend Whitney, recommend Kissed, Kissed by, by God. And then, uh, I, you know what? Short Term 12. I'm going to throw that out there. Mm. Short Term 12, great movie. Um, just going to shout out that one, which is, I think, a really good uh, confluence of actors portraying mental health. So Absolutely. I'm all about that. Absolutely. All right, James. All right, Sonny. Talk to us. Talk to us. Later.